0: present Haunted, Stories of the Supernatural. The Family by John Elliott, adapted for radio by Derek Hodinot. Starring George Cole as Watson. Haunted. Uh, Good morning. Detective Sergeant Forrester?
1: Yes, sir. I'm David Eccleston, Mr. Watson's solicitor. Oh, yes, sir. Come in, will you? Uh, Thank you. If you'd care to sit down for a moment, sir. Uh, Thank you, but um, I'd like to see my client first, if you don't mind. Where is Mr. Watson? In the bedroom. But, um, before you go in, I think you ought to read this. Oh? What is it? A letter, sir, addressed to you so I see. It hasn't been opened. Oh, I can see that. Sergeant, uh, Mr. Watson wants me to read it now, does he? Uh, I think that's his intention, sir. When you've read it, perhaps
0: then we can have a talk. You're being somewhat mysterious, Sergeant. I didn't mean to be,
1: but perhaps when you've read the letter, sir. Dear Mr. Eccleston, Kindly forgive my presuming on your acquaintance, but I can think of no one else suitable, this being written in confidence. As you know, I'm a reserved sort of man. I don't make friends easily. You'll be surprised at hearing from me. In fact, I hope you remember me, since you must have to look after a lot of cases like mine. Having received full remission for good conduct, I've now been out of prison for some 18 months, and I'm still living in the city, as you can see from the above address. Although I'm a relatively well-educated man, as you know, I have not succeeded in obtaining good, regular employment. Once a thief, always a thief, I suppose. I'm not in trouble again. Let me make that perfectly clear. No. This letter is about something peculiar which has happened to me lately. It concerns a young woman called Carol Temple. I met her one night... As I was approaching the front door of the boarding house where I live. (coughs) Who's that? (coughs) Who is it?
2: It's me. Only me.
1: Who is me? And what are you doing here in the porch? Nowhere else to go. You're oh, shivering. Were you going to stay here all night?
2: Yes. You live here?
1: I have a room, yes. Oh. <coughs> Do you know what time it is? No. It's gone one o'clock in the morning.
2: I didn't think anyone else would be coming in. That's why I settled down for the night.
1: But you can't sleep out here.
2: done it before. What, here? No. Other places
1: my dear child leave me alone I'm not going to hurt you don't touch me where do you live? (coughs) you're from the country run away from home maybe alone in the city no friends, no money either I suppose look, you can't stay here not with that cough, you'll catch pneumonia come on
2: what are you going to do?
1: there's my room it's not much but at least it's warm and you can have something to eat what do you say (laughs) so you have no home no parents no relations is that right yes where are your belongings Hmm? your things you must have a suitcase or something clothes, personal things.
2: I left them. Where? Behind.
1: Behind? Where? At a station left luggage office, perhaps. In the country? Where?
2: Oh, stop going on at me. You sound like the police.
1: The police? Yes, that's where I should take you if I had any sense. I would if I... Look, Carol, why don't you go to the police? Tell them what you've told me. They'll help you find somewhere to go. They have contacts with people organizations who assist young girls no but they'd help you no please please don't make me go to the police wife you you haven't done anything wrong have you no is that the truth
2: yes i'd like to stay here i like it here
1: well, You could stay for tonight thanks i'll sleep in here on the floor you can have my bed That cough really is bad. You need a doctor. You need to stay in bed for a few days.
2: Then let me stay. Please, Mr. Watson. Let me stay. I won't be any trouble. I can talk to you. You're nice. You'd like me to stay. I know you would. You'd like a bit of company.
1: Carol, if I... If I thought about you staying... Oh,
2: thank you. Just, just a minute.
1: I said, if I thought about it. I want you to answer my questions honestly and truthfully.
2: What do you want to know?
1: Well, you, you've told me nothing about yourself. You've been evasive in all your replies. Where do you come from?
2: A small village called New Ampton. It's in the West Country.
1: Why did you leave home?
2: because I hated them and they hated me.
1: Who's them? Your parents?
2: My real father's dead. My mother and the man she lives with. They run a boarding kennels for dogs. I used to help them, but, well, they treated me like muck. No one else would work for them. I was forced to. So I decided to run away. I think they wanted it that way. That way they could be rid of me. (laughs)
1: And that's the truth? Yes. I see. Uh, I, I, I'm afraid I haven't any suitable night clothes for you. Well, I could find you a shirt to put on if you like.
2: No, I don't want anything. Don't want to put you to any trouble.
1: There's a bathroom off the landing, to the right. You can't miss it. You'd better get to bed. It's through that door.
2: Thank you. And uh, about... No, we'll
1: talk about it in the morning, Carol. Good night. Good night. Well, Mr. Eccleston, I want you to believe me when I say that I had no intention of taking advantage of this girl. But during the night, on that cold, hard floor, I not only felt uncomfortable, but I also felt an excitement. I don't mean excited sexually, but... An excitement as if in a dream. I'd never had a naked girl in my rooms before. You may not believe it, but I've hardly experienced sex. No. What I felt most of all at that moment was a warm friendliness towards her. And soon I found myself in bed with her. She said nothing. Her body felt more developed and mature than I had expected. And then we made love. For the first time in my life. It was wonderful. But afterwards... I'm sorry. Carol... I shouldn't have. Did you hear what I said? I said I was sorry. It doesn't matter. Good morning.
2: Morning. I made you some coffee.
1: Oh, thanks. I thought I smelled it. Uh, have you had anything to eat?
2: Oh, I had some toast. Hope you didn't mind.
1: No no, of course not. Mm. Ugh. what's the matter? No sugar. sorry you wanted to know. Well, um what are you going to do?
2: Look around. I've decided to look around for something.
1: Good. Good. You can stay until you find a job, if you like.
2: No. That's very nice of you, but... Well, I got a girlfriend who might put me up for a week or two. I'll phone her this morning.
1: I thought you didn't know anyone in London.
2: Well, there is this girl. She's not a friend, at least not a close friend. Only met her once. But I got her address and she might help me. I don't think you need to worry about me anymore. Honest.
1: I see. You'd better take this.
2: You can't afford... I'm
1: not broke. I can afford a couple of pounds, for heaven's sake. Are you sure? Yes, you take it. It's the least I can do. Thank you. After she washed up the breakfast things, she went. And I was alone again. There was no legitimate work that spring, though I assure you I tried. I did some more night work, Well, you know what I mean by that. And over Easter, it was possible to do some daytime work, too, while people were away. This is in the strictest confidence, of course. Because of this, I became a bit depressed. My whole life seemed a bit pointless, especially when I thought about Carol and our one night of intimacy. But I neither saw her or heard of her again. Until one evening... The 13th of April, the very anniversary to the day that you defended me in court. I arrived home late from a job.
2: Hello?
3: Carol. That's me. Are you
1: all right?
2: Can I stay? Oh. A coffee. I remembered to put sugar in it this time. Oh,
1: thanks. Oh, what have you been doing with yourself these last three months?
2: I got a job as a kennel maid at a place in Rickmansworth.
1: Oh, that's nice.
2: I didn't like it much, though. Why? People that ran it weren't friendly.
1: Well, why weren't they friendly?
2: Don't really know.
1: Had you done anything?
2: No. No, in the end, they told me to go.
1: Were they dissatisfied with your work? Don't think so. They must have been if.
2: No. No, it wasn't that. I told them I was pregnant.
1: I see. Are you? Yes. How long?
2: Just under three months.
1: Oh, Carol. Yes? You can stay here as long as you like. I'll arrange it with the landlady. Hey, hey, no. Don't cry. I'm going to look after you. We're going to be together. You don't have anything to worry about. Please. You're so kind. And you've no reason to be. Nonsense. No buts. Please,
2: listen. The
1: night you found me in
2: the doorway...
1: Carol, I don't want to...
2: I want to tell you the truth. If I'm to stay, I want you to know the truth about me. All right. When you found me, I hadn't just arrived in London like I said. I'd run away. I'd run away from someone. Someone? Who? Someone. doesn't matter. A man. What I said about leaving home and coming to London was true. But I was picked up by this man and I went to live with him. And and then he put me into a house with some other girls and, well, he tried to make me like them. A the brothel?
1: He turned you into a prostitute?
2: I told him I wanted to leave, that I wouldn't say anything. But he threatened me. Still, after a few weeks, I managed to get out one night. I was afraid to go to anyone, even the police. I'd never be safe from him, you see. That's when you found me. I was hiding from him. That's the truth. I thought you should know.
1: And... That's why you changed your mind about staying after we made love. You thought the same thing was happening. Yes. Something like that. Well, it uh, does raise a question about the child, doesn't it?
2: I'm not saying it's yours. No, oh, I know you weren't,
1: Carol. I know that.
2: You've asked me to stay and I'd like to. But it'd be unfair on you to take on the responsibility of a child if it isn't yours. See what I mean?
1: Carol, can't you see? Don't you realize? I love you. What you told me doesn't make the slightest difference. I love you. I loved you when I first saw you, and I love you now. I'd hoped beyond hope you'd return, and now... Well, I'm not going to let you out of my life again. And so it was. The next six months were the happiest of my life. We never discussed the baby much, not at first. She was content to do the shopping, look after our little flat. And I got regular daytime work now. She got plumper and she visited the clinic regularly. She made the arrangements with the hospital that when her labor pain started, I was to take her in right away because she was a bit narrow and small and it was her first child. That happened four days ago. You all right? Yes. They won't be long. Oh. Carol?
2: Oh. I'm all right. Another pain. It wasn't much.
1: I'll go and ask the nurse.
2: No. It'll be all right. Babies don't get born quickly like that, you know.
1: Sit down, please. They'll give you something for the pain.
2: When I need it, they will. I don't need it yet.
1: All right. I love you.
2: I love you. Mrs.
0: Watson?
4: Yes? Would you come this way, please? Reception? Yes, Mr. Lorimer. Yes, visiting hours are from three to four in the afternoon. Thank you. Goodbye.
1: Uh, Excuse me. Yes? I'm inquiring about Mrs. Watson. She was brought in last night.
4: Last night, you say? That's right. Emergency, was it?
1: No, not exactly. She's having a baby and... I was passing the hospital on my way to work this morning, and I thought I'd call in to see how...
4: There's uh, no record here of a Mrs. Watson being admitted. Do you know the ward she was taken to?
1: Oh, uh, no, I forgot to ask.
4: Watson? No person by that name. Do you know the name of the nurse who was on duty? No. Would you just wait a moment? Mm. Janet? Madge, reception here. I have a Mr. Watson. He claims he brought his wife in last night. Maternity. Yes. Just checking, Mr. Watson.
1: She's here. I know she is. We sat over there uh, waiting and the nurse came and... come
4: calm, Mr. Watson. Probably a slip-up on the paperwork. It can happen. I'm on to maternity now and they're checking the night's intake.
1: But she is here. She must
4: be here. Yes? No record of a Mrs. Watson?
1: Impossible.
4: Three intakes last night, Needham, Curry and Patel. Thank you, Janet.
1: Look, I know this is the hospital. Well,
4: I was going to ask you that, Mr. Watson. Are you sure this was the hospital you came to last night? Of course
1: I'm sure. We, we, We sat over there. A nurse called my wife, we said goodbye, and she went down the corridor and into the lift. She must be somewhere... But perhaps she's been taken to the wrong ward.
4: Highly unlikely. There's no record of her maternity, and there's no record on last night's log, a copy of which is left here. I
1: don't believe it. I must be going mad. You're saying my wife doesn't exist. No, of course not. I I want to see the head man, please. Something's gone terribly wrong. I mean, who's above you? I have to speak to someone.
4: Mr. Watson, please try and calm down.
1: My wife is missing, disappeared. And you say, oh, my God, I'm dreaming this. Please, God, get me someone in authority. Do you hear? Get me someone in authority! Well, Mr. Eccleston... They turned that hospital inside out. I called all the other hospitals in the area. They checked. No one could find Carol. I left my name and address. They said they'd notify the police. I dreaded going back to the flat. I'd be all alone again. But, of course, I had to go home. As I walked... I found myself trembling. I got the keys out of my pocket. As I put the key into the lock, I thought I heard. I was sure I heard. Carol? 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 Are you there? Carol? Carol? <laughs> Carol, you are here, aren't you? I know you're here, Carol. Carol, where are you? Yes, Mr. Watson? Yes, officer. What is it? Sorry to get you up, sir, but I've been given to understand that you've been inquiring about a Miss Carol Temple. Yes. Yes, uh, come in, officer, please. Thank you, sir. Do you know where she is? Well, sir, yes, in a manner of speaking, I do. What do you mean? You know she's deceased. Deceased? It's all right, sir. Uh. Take it easy. I'd sit down if I were you. Uh, Thank you. She's dead, you say? On Wednesday, April the 13th, last. Oh, that's impossible. Well, I can remember it exactly. I've got my notes on it, sir. I'll read them to you, if I may. Between 6 and 7 p.m. at Marble Arch Central Line Station, a young female identified by the contents of her handbag as Carol Yvonne Temple, threw herself from the westbound platform in front of an incoming train and was killed outright. The young lady was discovered at the post-mortem to be in a state of pregnancy, nearly three months advanced. There were numerous witnesses. Foul play is not suspected. The verdict was suicide while of unbalanced mind. I'm surprised you hadn't heard of it, sir. What, what did you say, officer?
0: I said... Oh,
1: never mind. All I can say, sir, is that you couldn't have been with a young lady last night at the hospital. You may have been the last person to see her alive on April the 13th. Sir? Well, that's all. I'd better go. I'll see myself out. Oh, no, not again, please, not again. I have not been out since I shut the bedroom door because I can hear the baby crying in there and I imagine Carol in there with it I got dressed after the constable left though I've not yet shaved. I cooked myself some dinner yesterday and managed to eat it. All last night I sat trying to figure it out. It's all very quiet in here now. I I hope you don't mind if I conclude this for the present since I can hear the baby crying again which I have to stop. I have to stop! I have to stop!
5: Well, Mr. Eccleston?
1: Hmm? Is it evidence? No doubt about it, Sergeant. Do you want to see him? He's in the bedroom, you say? Yes, sir. How did he do it? Don't know yet. Waiting for the doctor's report. I see no I'll just make a
0: note on the envelope and you can give it to the coroner
1: the above unfinished letter was found addressed to me
0: in the dead man's lodgings was The Family by John Elliott, starring George Cole as Watson. Carol was played by Janet Moore, The Sergeant by Peter Baldwin, Eccleston by John Church, The Nurse by Elizabeth Ryder, The Receptionist by Jane Thompson, and The Policeman by Graham Faulkner. Haunted is adapted and directed by Derek Hodinot.
6: of the supernatural Anna Cropper stars in Walk on the Water by Rosemary Timperley adapted for radio by Derek Hoddenot
7: Hello.
8: Hello. What do you think of my sandcastle?
7: I think it's a lovely sandcastle.
8: I made it all myself.
7: Did you now? You're very clever.
8: Who are you? Rachel! Rachel, dear! Yes? It's time for tea. Now, come along, darling. You'll have to leave your sandcastle until tomorrow. We oh, won't be here tomorrow. The sea will have come and taken it away. Well, then you'll have to build a new one. Come along now, Daddy's waiting. Did you see the man? What's that, dear? Now, don't forget your spade. The man I was talking to just now. When? Just now, before you called me. I didn't see you speaking to anyone. But whoever it was, I hope you didn't talk to him. You know what I told you about strangers. I only said hello and asked who he was. Well, what did he say? Nothing. He went away. I wonder what he was up to. Nothing. He only said hello. He said he liked my sandcastle, that's all. Now, look, Rachel, we can't be watching you all the time. We let you onto the beach because we trust you to be sensible. Now, if this man or anyone else comes near you again when you're alone, you simply come and tell us at once. Is that clear? I liked him. That has nothing to do with it. Anyway, you can't possibly decide you like someone just on one meeting. Now, come along. We mustn't be late for tea. Rachel? Yes, Mummy? Some cake, dear. There's that chocolate one left. You know how you like chocolate cake. No, thank you. Is anything the matter? No. I was just thinking.
5: Sorry I'm late, Beatrice. Oh, dear, that Mrs Delaney. Yes, I
8: was wondering where you'd gone to, Henry.
5: You know what she's like.
8: Other than that she's a guest like ourselves. No.
5: She likes to pass the time of day, and that means at least half an hour's gossip.
8: You should be firmer, Henry. We've practically finished our tea.
5: I'm sorry, dear. But she told me something rather distressing. Apparently a man on the beach this afternoon. She thought he was simply going for a swim. He went into the water and... uh...
8: Do you mean... Did Mummy tell you about the man I saw on the beach, Daddy? You shouldn't have been listening, Rachel. Daddy was telling me something private.
3: Sorry.
8: Anyway, I liked him. He had a kind face. I think I'll spend the rest of the holiday looking for him. Well, Rachel has he asked you what do you mean mother oh darling you know what i mean stop teasing are you engaged to peter <laughs> yes oh, yes i am oh. let me see the ring oh it's beautiful <laughs> darling congratulations <laughs> you're really pleased oh, of course i am your father will be, too. You know he likes Peter. Oh, he's been mumbling about us being too young. Oh, he doesn't mean it. All fathers hate losing their daughters. It's a well-known fact. After all, you're 21, officially, or on your own. Oh, Mother, I... Oh, I do love him. Oh, of course you do, and he's doing so well. He's got excellent prospects. Oh, that reminds me, we must have a celebration, an engagement party, this Saturday. Oh, not this Saturday, please. Uh, can you make it next week? Peter's taking me to see Swan Lake at Covent Garden on Saturday.
3: It's not ours, is it?
9: No, darling. It's a number 42. There'll be another tram in a minute or two. Hurry along, please.
3: Carry enjoy it.
9: Uh, What's that, Peter?
3: I said, did you enjoy it?
9: I loved it. You? Yes. Really?
3: Don't you believe me, then?
9: <laughs> I don't think you'd like Bally. Not really. Oh,
3: it's all right, I suppose.
9: Oh, I thought it was beautiful. Thank you,
3: Peter. As long as
6: you enjoyed yourself, then so did I.
9: Oh, I love you. Shh.
6: People were here.
9: <laughs> oh, don't be silly. Anyway, I don't care. <laughs>
3: hello hello what did you say darling what I thought you said something
6: Uh, no you all right yes why
3: you've suddenly gone pale
6: no
9: I'm tired that's all
3: here's our
6: tram you sure nothing's the matter
9: Hmm?
6: seen someone you know
9: Uh, yes I I thought I had must have been mistaken that's all Well, Daddy, here I am. What do you think?
5: You look beautiful. Really beautiful. It's time.
9: The car here? Yes. Better get going, haven't we? Don't want to keep the bridegroom waiting. Nervous? Worse than nervous, I'm not sure.
5: You can still pull out if you don't feel right about it.
9: Oh, Daddy, I love you. <laughs> I'm okay, really. It's just stage fright, that's all.
5: Stage fright? I'm practically paralyzed with fear, and it isn't me getting married. (laughs) Well, you know what your mother's like. She has to have all the trimmings. You're like me. You don't want fuss. A quiet registry office. That would have suited you, wouldn't it?
9: Come on. It's my big day.
5: It's like marrying your mother all over again. Rachel, mind your dress.
9: I feel like a film star. All these people. All right. Yes. Well, here goes. It's a long way to the church door.
5: <gasps> hello. What's that, dear? Just hello. Hello, my darling. Bear up. Soon be over now.
9: Peter. I'm sorry. You don't have to be. It's me, that's all.
3: You tired?
9: It's been a hectic day. There's so much to see in Venice, and I, I find it difficult to relax, that's all.
3: You love me, don't you?
9: Oh, Peter, it's nothing to do with you. Are you sure? Of course I am. It's been the most marvellous two weeks of my whole life. I'm glad. It's just... Well, I love you so much, Rachel. I love you too, darling. Then what's the matter? Nothing. There is, I'm sure. Please, Peter, go to sleep. Please, darling. I'm just tired, that's all.
7: If you're sure.
9: Everything's all right. Honestly. Honestly. Good night. Good night. I've seen him every day since I've been here. Hello, he says. Hello, I say. He has such a kind face. I think he loves me. And I... I love him,
5: Peter. Sit down, for God's sake.
8: It'll probably be ours yet. Oh, I'm sorry. I hope to God she'll be all right. Well, of course she will. Now, please sit down. She's only having a baby. Only? Things could go wrong. Well, it's very rare. But Anyway, she's in the best place.
5: You're not the first man to become a father, Peter.
8: All
3: right, all right.
8: That's better. Let's hope Rachel's taking it more calmly than you. That's it, my dear. Push.
6: Again. Oh, my God, please! Good. Good, good girl. It's a boy. Beautiful boy. Nurse! Oh, thank God. Thank God.
9: Oh, dear. Is he all right?
6: He's perfect. Give us a few minutes and we'll have you ready to see your husband. Uh. Well, now, how are you feeling, Rachel, eh? (laughs) Sore. The nurse has brought you your baby. Oh, thank you. That's it. We'll let your husband in now, but only for a few minutes. I'll be around to see you later.
9: Thank you, Doctor. (gasps) Hello. Hello.
3: Hello, old girl. Let me see him. What? The baby darling. We're parents.
9: Blinkley, 42231. Rachel. Hello, Mother.
8: I thought you were coming over this evening. We are. Babysitter not arrived.
9: Neither babysitter or husband
8: where is he then
9: god knows he left the office ages ago i was about to ring the babysitter to find out what's happened to her
8: i get the feeling you're not coming
9: you may well be right
8: is there anything the matter
9: of course there's something the matter i'm angry i'm bloody annoyed that's what
8: how are the children
9: they're fine
8: i think you ought to get yourself a tonic
9: thank you mother but i don't need your advice oh,
8: look darling since you had melanie you've not been the same good night mother please rachel i'm serious You said yourself the second birth wasn't as difficult as the first. You said, in fact, that it was wonderful.
9: So it was. Then
8: why has it changed you? It
9: hasn't changed me. You
8: don't seem content anymore. I noticed it the first week you were out of hospital. Post-natal depression that would wear off, but it doesn't seem to. Mother,
9: I shall put the phone down in a moment. Don't
8: you dare. Now, I've spoken to your father about it, and he's going to speak to Peter. It's not that we want to interfere... Oh my God.
9: What in the hell's the matter with me? The second birth was wonderful. That's because he was there. He helped me. He took me in his arms and lifted me up and up. <laughs>
3: Mrs. Bannister?
9: Yes? Yes, officer? What is it?
3: Your husband, madam. I'm afraid he's had an accident.
9: Say something. Hello. Hello.
10: Rachel, what are you going to do now you're retiring?
9: Well, Mr. Fredericks... Please, my
10: dear. We're alone.
9: <laughs> well, John, I don't know. I expect I shall become one of those lonely old widows, you see, trudging the high streets in the rain.
10: It doesn't have to be like that, you know. Oh, please.
9: You promised all those years ago that you'd never discuss it again.
10: But it's different now. You were a young widow then, with two small children and the war i made the mistake of asking you to marry me too soon but now your children are grown up your son's in canada your daughter never comes to see you you're alone please john you don't need to
9: remind me anyway i i like being alone i've got used to it besides i've got a comfortable house a pension i can always come and see you and you can come and have tea with me as often as you like Believe me, my dear, I shall be perfectly all right.
10: I want you to have this. Oh, no. This is personal, from me. Nothing to do with the firm, you understand? A present from me to you, for being the best secretary I've ever had.
9: (laughs) Flattery will get you everywhere, Mr. Fredericks, John. Open it. Oh, Oh, that's beautiful. Uh, Honestly, I
10: I couldn't... Yes, you can. I insist. It must have cost you an awful lot of money. Please wear it. Always.
9: It's the most beautiful cameo I've ever seen.
10: To remember me by? Remember me, Rachel. Please. Yeah.
9: memories that's all that's left I better make some tea I suppose hello it's you hello I don't believe in you anymore do you hear I don't believe in you anymore I know what you're going to say, Doctor. Do you? <laughs> what all doctors say at my time of life. You're getting old.
3: Well, it's true, I'm afraid. So? What do you mean? What's the remedy? Uh, there is no remedy for old age, Mrs. Bannister. At least, not one that's been invented as yet. All we can do is help you along the road.
9: <laughs> help you along the road? <laughs> I like that, Doctor. I like that very much. Well,
3: at least you can smile.
9: (laughs) In a moment you'll be telling me that I need a change.
3: (laughs) As a matter of fact...
9: (laughs) No, Doctor, please. Listen
3: to me, Mrs. Bannister. You spend too much time on your own in that house of yours. You need to get out and meet people. I do meet people. Well, you shouldn't have retired when you did then. You're a woman who needs to keep her mind occupied.
9: I didn't want to be known as the old lady any longer. That's what the other secretaries were calling me, the old lady. (laughs) She came with the furniture.
3: (laughs) All right, all right. But a change of surroundings, uh, a breath of sea air would do you good. And you might meet someone. Who knows? Meet someone? Well, yes. You may be in your 60s, Mrs. Bannister, but you're still an attractive woman. That's very kind of you, Doctor, but you're quite wrong. Attractive people are those who are full of life. That's why I want you to go away. Please take my advice. Have a week by the sea. Make the world go away, hmm? What do you say? All right. I'll
9: take your advice. Good. And I think I know where to go. There's a little boarding house I went to with my parents when I was about, ooh, eight or nine. It has a long stretch of beach in front of it. I'll go there. I had a happy time there. I made my first really big sandcastle there. I hope no one's watching. An old woman like me pretending to be a child again. Nothing more sillier, I imagine. Hello. It's you again. Hello. I'm glad you came.
7: So am I.
9: Good heavens.
7: What's the matter?
9: I've just remembered. We must be about the same age now, you and I.
7: (laughs) Did I trouble you very much in
9: the past? Sometimes. But you helped me, too. I'm sorry I turned against you.
7: And I'm sorry if I ever troubled you. Why did you Hmm?
9: trouble me? I wanted you. I still do. I feel too sad and finished for anyone to want me. That's why I can
7: come so close to you.
9: There was that time in the hospital when Melanie, my second baby, was born. You came close to me then. You touched me, took me in your arms. Oh, that journey into the sky.
7: It was a mistake. I acted too soon. Come for a walk. All right. Where should we walk to? Out there. There? That's right. <laughs> We can't walk into the water. Not into it, my dear. On it. <laughs> that's impossible. No, it isn't. I promise you. I walked this way all those years ago. Like you, I thought it wouldn't be possible to walk on the water. I wanted to die. So I walked into the water until it was right over my head. Or so I thought. There was pain, blackness, terror, a sort of explosion. And I thought, now, death forevermore. And then I suddenly found myself standing on the sand again, watching a little girl building her sandcastle. You were the most beautiful person I had ever seen. I loved you on sight. You loved me, too. But you were very young. I couldn't really approach you except to say,
9: Hello. That's all you ever did until today?
7: No. You did say, Who are you? You didn't answer. I couldn't. I didn't know the answer. Then... You went away. Influences kept separating us. I couldn't
9: always reach you. When I wanted to reach you, you used to disappear. I couldn't help it.
7: There's a time and place for everything. One can't go against these influences. They're stronger than we are. But at this moment they are with us I shan't disappear again
9: you would if I turned my head away and dismissed you from my mind
7: perhaps but please don't never turn away from love come along my darling walk with me here take my hand
9: There's nothing there.
7: Never mind. Come, walk with me.
9: I'm coming.
7: Come along, then. Walk with me.
9: I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm coming.
6: Walk on the Water by Rosemary Timperley was adapted by Derek Hodinot. We've another tale from our series, Haunted, tomorrow. The Dream Woman, by Wilkie Collins.
3: We present Haunted,
6: Stories of the Supernatural. The Dream Woman, by Wilkie Collins. Adapted for radio, by Derek Hodinot.
11: Here's your ale, sir. Ah, thank you. Ah. A landlord, uh, is it possible to hire a gig from you? Uh, I came from Ferndale this morning to meet a fellow practitioner here, but my horse went lame and I have no means of transport home. We're rather busy, as you can see, sir. But I'm sure I can spare one of my men. John? John?
6: Yes, sir, Mr. Warren?
11: Has Robert come back from that errand yet?
6: No, sir.
11: Oh, I see. Then you'd better wake up, Isaac, right away. Sir? Wake up, Isaac? If you pardon me saying so, landlord, that sounds rather odd. Do your ostlers go to bed in the daytime? This one does, sir. He dreams, too. Dream? Terrible dream, sir. He cries out in his sleep and he tosses and turns. Really? Uh, landlord... I have a fancy for seeing this man before you wake him. I'm a doctor, and if this strange sleeping and dreaming of his comes from anything wrong in his brain, I may be able to help. I rather think you'll find his complaint past all doctrine, sir. But if you'd like to see him, you're welcome, I'm sure. He's in the stable, if you'd like to follow me. see what I mean, Doctor? Uh, yes. Uh, how old did you say he was? Nearly 60. Well, he looks a withered old man of 80. I know, sir. I was shocked too when I saw him for the first time. It made me feel cold inside. <laughs> uh, Look, you see how restless he is? He's going to speak.
8: Wake up! Wake up, man! Murder! Uh,
11: uh, it's always the same. Uh, don't touch him. But if you want a gig, <laughs> sh- 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 a Light grey eyes with a droop in the left eyelid. Flaxen hair with a gold yellow streak in it. All right, mother. Fair white arms. With it down on them
6: <laughs> The knife? Oh the cursed knife first one side then the other <laughs> you see devil where is the knife?
11: <sighs> My God how he suffers. Do you know anything about this man's past life? Yes, sir. I know pretty well all about it. And an uncommon queer story, it is, to be sure. Most people don't believe it, of course, but it's true for all that. I'd like to know more about him, if I may. Landlord, I'm in no particular hurry. Uh, Will you tell me his story over some lunch? Perhaps we could share a bottle of sherry. Your health, sir. You too, landlord. Well, it's a dreadful story, sir. He seems fated. You know what I mean. A man without luck. Everything seemed to go wrong for him from the start. His father died when he was a baby, and his mother had a fair struggle bringing him up, with the result that Isaac arrived in middle life... With an alien mother, no savings, no wife or children. Then, through his mother, he heard of a job going as a stable helper at a gentleman's residence in a town about 18 miles away. So she packed Isaac off one morning, and he walked there, reaching the house in the late afternoon. Uh, gone? Well, bad luck struck again because he found on arrival that the post had already been filled. Isaac took it well, however, and before starting for home, he learnt from a nearby inn that he might save a few miles by following a new road, which he took. Just as it was getting dark, the rain started to come on, and the wind began to rise, and the first house he came to was a lonely roadside inn Standing on the outskirts of a thick wood.
3: Evening, innkeeper.
6: Evening, sir. You're lucky. I was just about to lock up. Have your room for the night, please. If you can pay. Oh, I can pay. I have some money with me. Would you like some food? If I have enough. Let's see. Yes, you have enough. I'll lock up first and then I'll show you to your room. Oh, my God! Help! Wake up! Help me! Please! Get away! Oh, please! Don't kill me! Help! Wake up! Wake up there! Murder! Murder! Great God, sake! Whatever is the matter? In my room, a, a woman with a knife what? with a buck on a handle... There's no one here, sir. A flaxen head, woman, light grey eyes. She, she jabbed at me with the knife twice over. Look, I'll, I'll show you where she stabbed. <sighs> she seems to have missed you twice, too, sir. I dodged the knife as it come down. It struck the mattress each time as I turned. Otherwise, I'd, I'd not be alive to tell the tale. Devil fly away with you and your woman with a knife. Look, sir, there isn't a mark on the bedclothes anywhere. What do you mean by coming into a man's place and frightening his family out of their wits by nothing more than a dream? I'll leave your house at once, sir. Better out in the road in the rain and dark on my way home than in this room after what I've just seen.
12: Isaac, tell me. What? time was it when you saw this fair woman holding that knife with the buckhorn handle?
6: Just after two o'clock, Mother. T- two o'clock in the morning. This morning, in fact.
12: Today is your birthday. And two o'clock was the time when you were born.
6: But I... I, I don't understand. No,
12: Isaac, listen to me. I want to write all this down. Oh, I, I want to know every detail about this dream of yours, this terrible ghost with a knife.
6: Ghost, Mother? Oh, of course. You seem to be making a great fuss over nothing more than a dream. Isaac,
12: now tell me once again, all you told me a minute ago, when you spoke of what this woman with the knife looked like.
6: Now, please. She had light grey eyes, with a droop in the left eyelid. Flaxen hair.
12: Oh, no, no, not so fast, my son. Flaxen hair. Flaxen...
6: Yes. No, go on. There was a gold, yellow streak in it. Gold. Yes. White arms with down upon them. With
12: down upon them.
11: missus Scratcharn wrote down every detail of the dream and added the year, month, day of the week and the time in the morning when the woman had appeared to her son. Then she carefully locked up the paper in her writing desk. Was that the first time Isaac dreamt about the woman then? Yes. Then, one day, as the evening drew on, Mrs. Scratcher discovered that a bottle of tonic medicine, which she was accustomed to take, happened to be empty. Isaac immediately volunteered to go to the chemist and get it refilled. It was as rainy and bleak an autumn night as on the night of his terrible dream. On going into the chemist's shop, he was passed hurriedly by a poorly dressed woman on her way out. The glimpse of her face struck him as she descended the doorstep.
6: Good evening, Mr. Scratchard. Uh, uh, Good evening. My mother's usual tonic, please. Of course, sir. It's going to be a stormy night by the look of it. It is, indeed. Here you are, sir. Thank you. Uh, I see you noticed the woman who was in here just now. Uh, Yes. Who is she? I don't rightly know, but it's my opinion there's something wrong with her. She's been asking for Lordnum to put on a bad tooth. Master's out for half an hour, and I told her I wasn't allowed to sell poison to a stranger in his absence. It's a case of suicide, if ever there was one. Suicide? Yes, you can tell. How is your mother these days? Uh, Well, thank you. Uh, I I must hurry. Uh, Good night. Good night, sir. (coughs) Excuse me. Excuse me, but are you in distress? Can I be of help?
12: <laughs> I look like a, a comfortable, happy woman, do I? Oh,
6: well, sorry, I, I didn't mean...
12: My name is Rebecca Murdoch. I have ninepence left, and I thought of spending it at the chemist's securing a passage to the other
4: world. Whatever that is, it cannot be worse than this. <laughs>